It's a Saturday evening, and your 11-year-old daughter, it could be son, but I just picked a daughter because I was thinking about Kelly, all right, is helping you clean up after having some friends from church over. As you hold the trash bag for her to dump a bunch of paper plates in, she looks at you and says, Daddy, Amber and I were talking and she said their family devotion was about how believers will live for eternity with Jesus in heaven. Daddy, how long is eternity? Will you help me? I'm not sure. How would you answer? How would you answer? You have a child asking you, how long is eternity? How many of you are having trouble with that? I mean, that's hard. Well, you're not alone. The concept of eternity is difficult, if not impossible to comprehend, and it's just as impossible, just as difficult to figure out how to explain it with an illustration. You know, I would tend to say that there is no way that we can actually define eternity or even illustrate it today as human beings on this planet. You see, eternity can't be measured by time. True? It can't be measured by time. Because the whole idea of eternity transcends time, or another way to put that is outside the bounds of time. It is infinitely more than the mere passing of seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, or millennia. Eternity is so vast that we can't even comprehend it. I wanted to see what the dictionary said. So I looked up in several dictionaries and found that there's really no consensus or no real concrete idea on how to define eternity. I looked up in the Cambridge Dictionary, which is a major dictionary. It says, eternity is time that never ends or has no limits. The problem with that is, if time has no ends or no limits, and time's a way to measure things, that's not a good definition. I looked at the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. They look at it differently. Eternity is the state after death, or seemingly an endless or immeasurable time. So it's a state after death. That first one didn't say that. And they go back to it's an immeasurable time. If it's immeasurable, then it can't be time. Because time's a measurement. I looked at the Encyclopedia Britannica. Eternity is the state of the state of that which is held to have neither beginning nor end. Three dictionaries describing eternity three different ways. And they're all major dictionaries. Defining time is not even consistent in our dictionaries. And truth be said, as I said before, we really can't comprehend the concept of eternity on any real level because we are locked within time. And for most of us, for most people, the concept of eternity is only thought about when considered in the light of something that all humanity has had in common, has in common today, 
and will have common in the future. What is that? Death. How many of you think about eternity every day? Most of us don't. Most of us don't think about it for weeks or months until we come face to face with somebody that we know or somebody that we love is going to die. And then all of a sudden, eternity becomes very important to us. When most people come face to face with the fact that they're going to die, they start thinking about eternity. Because if there is no eternity, then there is no life after death. If there is no life after death, then the life we are living right now is all there is. After our death, our existence would just be over. And for most people, that is just not something any of us are, com- are comfortable with. How many of you are comfortable with thinking that when I die, when this body is, my body is dead, I'm comfortable with just my existence stopping and ceasing? There was a recent Pew Research Center survey had in uh, 2022 that, think about it, this is all Americans now. This is not just Church folks, it's not just people who claim salvation or some type of religion. Here's what the research said. Only 17% of Americans believe there is no afterlife. Only 17% believe there's no afterlife. Therefore, 83% believe there is some type of afterlife, which means they also believe in some concept of eternity because there is no afterlife if there is no eternity. This begs us to ask another question. Even though over 80% of all the American population believes there is life after death and therefore believe eternity is real, how can they be sure that eternity is real? How do they know? Is it just some hopeful guess because they are uncomfortable with the thought of death being the end of their existence? How do you know eternity exists? How do you know that there is life after death? Sadly, for most people in the world, it is just a hopeful guess. There is no way to prove that eternity exists because mankind is trapped within time and there's no way to see eternity. The only way for anyone to be sure there is life after death, that the concept of eternity is real, is to have someone who lives outside of time tell us what? Yes, there is life after death. They have to be outside of time to do that, though. But Christ followers, by God's grace, do not have to just hopefully guess there is life after death. They don't have to guess or wonder if there's really an eternity. The creator of the universe, the only true God, the one who lives outside of time, has revealed himself to us through his word, an infallible word, an inspired word. And it's in this revelation here that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's an eternity and that there's life after death. And you want to know something? In reality, this is the only place that we can find that truth. Because there's nothing in the world that can help us do it. We can't send a spaceship up. We can't uh, have science ever tell us. It is only through God's Word. The Bible is the only proof that eternity exists. If the Bible is false, if the Bible is not the Word of God, then there is no real hope that can ever exist that there is more to life than the few years that you and I live right here and right now. 
So, how does God's Word bring assurance that there is eternal life after death? How does, he do, how does that happen? Let's look at what the Bible says. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 5, they, but the they there in this passage at the end of Ecclesiastes is talking about old people. Even though there's a lot of young folks here, and this is not contextually talking to you, God explains at the end of Ecclesiastes what's going to happen to old folks. We don't have time to go through that. This may or may not apply to you. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. They, old folks, are afraid also of what is high. Terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire fails because man is going to his what? Eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Man is going where? To his eternal home. Matthew 19, 29. And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit what? Eternal life. Matthew 25, 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Mm, we get something revealed there to us, don't we? Not all eternal life for eternal or eternity is the same. We'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. But we understand that there is what from Matthew's perspective? Eternity. Luke 10.25, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. The lawyer is going to test Jesus. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit what? This is an unsaved man. This is a Jew who's concerned about life. For some reason, something in his life got him to thinking about eternity. So he's going to go to Jesus. He goes, hey, this is a pretty, this is a pretty good test for Jesus. Let's see how Jesus answers. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What did he presuppose? What was in his mind? Eternity. Acts 13, 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, Remember, the Gentiles did not understand the gospel. They did not understand that the gospel was for them or that they could be included in the gospel. But here is at the time, right now, is where the Gentiles finally were told, were finally realized, you could be saved by faith in Jesus Christ just like the Jews could. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to, what? Eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Romans 5.21 So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness, leading to what? Eternal life. For 2 Corinthians 5.1 For we know that if the, that if the tent, that is our earthly bodies, is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, what? Eternal in the heavens. And then we have 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before when? Before the ages begin. Or another way to put that? Before time began. And if it's before time began, we understand it is what? 
eternity. By the way, the Holman Christian Bible and the King James translates this verse before time began. And how about 2 Peter 1.11? For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we all say, Amen. These are just a few of many, many verses that speak to the existence of eternity and an eternal life after death. Apparently, from these verses and others, even though we really can't grasp the concept of eternity, God wants us to think about it. He wants us to reflect on it so that we have no doubt in our minds that eternity is real and that there is absolutely life after death. He goes, here's a concept I'm going to show you in my word multiple, multiple times. There is eternity. There is life after death. You can't get your mind around it, but I want you to think about it. I want you to come face to face with it multiple times. So how does God's word bring assurance there is eternal life after death? First, it speaks about eternity over and over and over. And it reveals God has put eternity in our hearts. So if you would, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 9 through 11. Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. Yes, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Think about what verse 11 says. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Amen? That means your worst day on the planet. In His time, is that beautiful? Nobody is really shaking their heads here now. You're all looking at me like, yeah, we know it's truth, but we're not going to, uh, we're not going to identify it as truth. But he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also put eternity into man's heart. He has put eternity into man's heart. So in this passage and in coming up to this verse, what is Solomon's point here? The context is God reveals He has a proper time for every event, and we naturally want to, as human beings, we naturally want to grasp the whole plan He has for our lives, true? How many of you would really, I mean, some of you would say, no, I don't want to, but how many of you would really just, God, show me what the rest of my life's going to be like. I mean, I, I want to know the whole thing. I've grown old enough now to where I say, ain't no way, all right, but, but, we have an internal desire to really know what's going on, true? Something comes into your life, maybe it's a, a good, uh, especially a bad situation, and what is the first thing you ask God? Why are you allowing this, or why is this happening? Because we want to what? No. And it's so in the context, he, we as, as, as humans want to know, we see that in verse 9, he says, what gain has the worker from his toil? Why, why do we... Uh, why do we toil? What is the purpose of it? What's going to come about in my life if I put all this work into it? I want to know. And it's that idea that we want to know. Mankind inherently wants to know what benefit a life of toil brings. 
And then Solomon lays out three truths about mankind. We're not going to go over them. I'm just going to mention them to you. In verse 10, we must take steps to discover and fulfill the duties to be done each day. We need to look at each day and fulfill the duties there in verse 10. In the first part of verse 11, doing the right thing at the right time yields a beautiful sense of fulfillment. If we do the right thing at the right time, are our lives, have a, do, they, do they feel like we've accomplished something? Yeah, they do. And then we get to the point, what we're talking about, where it says that he has put eternity into man's heart. And you know what he's saying? God has given us, has infused in us a sense of eternity. A sense that is, there's something bigger out there. That sense that, of eternity that drives us to continually strive to find that bigger and better something. We, as humans, all the time want to find something bigger and better. It's just part of who we are, true? We work in our careers for something bigger and better. We, we work to, to build houses and, and to have good bank accounts because we're looking for something bigger and better. Sometimes we change careers because we're looking for something what? Bigger and better, something different. In fact, this drive explains why my, mankind has made so many advances in science, in philosophy, uh, in human knowledge, and theology. It's this drive that makes it possible for us to look at the bigger picture. And it's because we were created in the image of God. It's that internal, infused image of God that makes us want to look and see the big picture. To figure things out. To decipher what the world is about. To decipher what the future has. And this is one thing that completely and utterly separates us from the animals. Do the animals have any sense of the big picture? They don't. Don't. They don't want to know the whole plan. They don't try to discover the secrets of the world. They don't have a desire to figure out the concepts like eternity. We are the only living thing on this planet made in the image of God. We are the only part of God's creation that it's, He has put eternity in our hearts. This, part of, this sense of eternity is part of every human, not just those who are Christ followers. Again, going back to that Pew Research survey that we mentioned earlier, as I said earlier, according to the data in the survey, over 83% of Americans believe in the afterlife. 83%. Why? Because they understand what? There's something what? Bigger out there. Over 60%, this is all Americans, this is not Christians. Okay? Over 60% believe they will be reunited with their loved ones when they die. Why? Where do they come up with that? They can't prove eternity. They can't prove an afterlife. But 60% of Americans believe that they're going to see their loved ones again. 62% believe they will meet God when they die. 44% believe they will be able to see what is happening on earth as they die, after they die. And you're looking at this and you're going, why is there such an overwhelming belief 
that there's an afterlife of some kind even by those who deny Christianity. It's because God has placed eternity where? In our hearts. It's part of who we are. But we need to ask a question. The survey said that there are 7%, which is a really low number comparatively, 7% believe in no afterlife, in no eternity. They actually believe that life ends right now. Why can they do that when God has put eternity in their hearts? Turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 1. We have an answer. God answers this question for us in Romans chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. Verse 18. So why are there people who can actually cover up or suppress this idea of eternity in their that God has put into them. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, what do they do? They suppress the truth. They suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. They have to physically, consciously do what? Suppress the truth. Because the next thing it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Who is the them? Anyone. Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Why can some people just ignore or suppress the knowledge that God has given them about eternity and the afterlife? Because they don't want to deal with it. They just push it down. And they have faith in their own wisdom. And though, so God, as the passage continues, gives them over to foolishness. God's word brings us great assurance there is eternal life after death because His word constantly speaks to it. And because His word says He has planted eternity in every human heart. And that truth is proved true every day because the mass, mass majority of people know in the depths of their hearts there is life after death and that eternity is real even though they can't prove it. We know it's infused into us. We know it's part of who we are. But we haven't looked at the most important reason we have assurance of God's, that God's Word clearly reveals there is eternal life after death. The most important reason is because Jesus Christ taught about eternity. Jesus Christ taught about eternity. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We'll be starting in verse 41. Look at verse 41. Then he, and this is Jesus Christ will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What does Jesus say about eternity here? What's he say? There's going to be what? Eternal fire. Now turn over to look at verse 46. 
And these, those who did not do what he's describing in verses 41 through 45, verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to what? Eternal life. Is there any doubt in this one passage that Jesus Christ is teaching that there is eternal life? It's not. And so, uh, let's read a couple more. Mark 10.30. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in, the ta- in this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. John 3.16. Everybody say this with me because most of us know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. John 5.24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Amen. These passages and so many others that we just don't have time to go over tonight, or this morning, excuse me, leave no doubt that Jesus taught about the existence of eternity and therefore life after death. He told every one of His disciples, there is eternity. It's real. And if you follow Me, if you believe in Me, you will have eternal life. You will not die And the question we have to ask is why should we believe Jesus' words about eternal life? How many other teachers have there been throughout history that have made claims about heaven and the higher plane and all this stuff? How, How do we know, again, we understand, we come to it as Christ followers that this is biblical, we understand this. All of everything we're talking about this morning is based on what? The Word of God, because that's the only place we have to go to learn about eternity. All right, so why should we believe Jesus' words? Does He just have good insight? Why should we believe? Because the Bible clearly reveals that Jesus was and is God in the flesh. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or the priority over all creation. He is the image, and that means the exact duplicate of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and if you read down about 14 verses, John identifies who the Word is. The Word here is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word, Jesus Christ, was with God, and the Word, Jesus Christ, was God. How clear is that that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? Do you realize that there are people who don't want to believe that? There's one cult, Jehovah Witnesses, okay? If you ever find a Bible that says New World Translation, don't buy it. I had a guy who was, who was in a... In a a store like a, a Salvation Army store, and he goes, I found a whole case of Bibles, and he brought them to us, and it was happened here, and he goes, here, some free Bibles that we can pass out, but they were the New World Translation, which are the Jehovah Witness Bible, and you know what this verse is translated as in the New World Translation? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. <laughs> 
Yeah, completely changes it, doesn't it? But the true word of God says, and the word was God, Jesus Christ himself. John 5.20, 1 John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the what? True God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is God. Turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many places, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. There is no doubt over and over in the Bible. He portrays it through His miracles. He portrays it in how He uh, responded to those who hated Him. He taught about it. He claimed for Himself as far as being God. He did. Uh, he claimed names for Himself that only God can have. And according to the verses we've looked at and other verses, Jesus is God, and as God, He created the world. Now, let me just pause here. He created the world. Remember, the question is, why should we believe Jesus Christ knows about eternity? If Jesus Christ created the world, what does that mean? That means He existed before creation, which means He existed before there was time. Hmm. And because He existed before time, He understands eternity because He is eternal and He's already lived in what we would call eternity. He has lived without there being time. He existed as God before there was time. Is He the one that can speak to the point that there is an eternity and I know it's there and I'm going to prepare a place for you in eternity? Does He, is He the only one that actually knows that for sure? Amen. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder if Jesus Christ was right or true. Because He has experienced it. He knows it. He was there. And He even constrained Himself to some extent when He came into time. But when He came into time, did He still know eternity was there? Yes, He did. And so we know that there's eternity. The Bible assures us that there's eternity. The Bible assures us that there's life after death. God's Word comforts us with the truths that eternity is real, and therefore eternity after death is real. The Word constantly speaks of it. His Word says that He planted eternity in the human heart, and we also have an eyewitness, Jesus Christ Himself, who lived outside the confines of time, who taught that eternity is real. So, why take the time to reflect on eternity today? Why? I haven't had anybody die close to me. I haven't uh, uh, been uh, almost killed. I mean, there's nothing to make Pastor Mark just start thinking about eternity. 
You know, it's not like our 11-year-old daughter or son or grandchild is really going to ask us to explain eternity. And actually, many of us, many of us hope what? They don't, right? This is a great question. Why take the time to reflect on eternity this morning? Well, you're going to have to wait till next week. <clears throat> you see, because we have to come to a place that we have to ask, where are we going to be in eternity? Do we know that it exists? Yes. Unequivocally. Anybody who's here this morning has seen that the Bible definitely shows there's an eternity and definitely shows that there's life after death. But the question is, does everybody go to the same place? Are we just one big happy family then up in, you know, as humankind up in eternity? Is there, is there different places that different people go in eternity? Those are important questions, right? Because do you want to know where you're going to spend eternity? I mean, remember, we want to know the whole picture, right? I mean, as I studied this, and as I thought about this, I want to know for sure where I'm going. I don't want to, oh, I know this eternity, and I, I think I know where I'm going to go. I think I know what, where I'm going to, how I'm going to exist in eternity. You see, we're going to have a quick study on heaven and hell. But heaven and hell mean nothing. The concept of heaven and hell mean nothing until you understand what exists. Eternity. If there's no eternity, if there's no life after death, then there is no what? Heaven or hell. And I wanted to make sure that everybody understands there is an eternity. Everyone is going to live in eternity, but not everybody's going to live in the same place in eternity. And the reason why we need to know that is because it changes the way we live. It changes the way we live. And we'll look more at that next week. Father God, as the song said earlier, we are truly, truly blessed. not just in the material things that we have, but in the knowledge that we have Your Word. Your infallible, Your inspired Word that helps us understand life, helps us understand what Jesus Christ did for us through His death on the cross, helps us understand that we need His, the salvation that He offers because we are sinners. We thank you, Lord God, for those revelations in your word. We also thank you, Lord God, that you have clearly revealed that this life is not all there is, that there is more to life when we say goodbye to earth. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that understanding, for that insight. Thank you that we have confidence in that and that we don't need to be shaken by a world that says this life is all there is. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There, Father, we don't have to be shaken in our belief of that because we know your word clearly teaches it. And we thank you for that. 
Father God, as we continue thinking about you and worshiping you through song, I pray that you would be pleased, that you would be glorified in Christ's name. Amen.